You've probably heard that a good salesman can sell ice cubes to Eskimos. As a matter of fact, they can sell anything to anybody. Well, we're going to be hearing from a man who can do just that. Let's have ourselves a pocket-sized pep talk. We'll meet this man whose last name happens to be Jollis. And it isn't me. A pocket-sized pep talk. The podcast that can help energize your business and your life with a quick, inspiring message. Now, here's your host, Rob Jollis. Today, I have a treat for you because I know it was a treat for me. From insurance to cars, from mattresses to high-end dog food, he has sold it all. He's the best salesman I've ever seen, and he's my brother, Jeff. And we did this one remotely, and we shared one mic. I gave Jeff the good share. After all, he's my older brother. Enjoy. Well, I don't know if I ever said this to you, but I mean this from the absolute bottom of my heart. You're the best salesperson I've ever seen in my life. Now, now I'm telling you the absolute truth. What I want to figure out is how come? What do, what do you, you know, you do things that are so natural with the, the, the conviction that you have. I just kind of want to go back and I want to figure that out a little bit. Well, you know, it's, dad always, dad always um, gave, you know, gave me some, some, some rules to live by, so to speak. I can remember as a little, as five years old, when he would be in the bathroom in the morning shaving and he would say, shaving is like selling, got to do a little bit every day. Yeah. <laughs> or when it was time to polish my shoes. It's the crappy stuff that tends to um, be the little bit of shaving yourself, like cold calling, you know. I don't know a whole lot of people go, man, I can't wait to wake up. Just I never, I hate cold calling. Right. I would hate calling. I, I don't, I didn't do very much cold calling. Yeah. Well, now let's see. You sold for New York Life. Yeah. Okay. So I know you sold for Toyota. Yeah. Mattresses. What, okay. I, <laughs> sold, I sold a lot name. of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I sold computers to the government. Uh-huh. Um. Mattresses was probably the most short-lived thing that I did. Um, I think it was my first foray into retail. You know, and that's a real cutthroat kind of a deal. Well, what was cutthroat really was the way that the management worked. Yeah. Because you you could never get a deal of your own. Right. You weren't allowed to discount the price without asking your manager. Right. And as soon as you asked your manager, he split the deal. If you bring your manager in and ask him to split the deal, unlike in car business, right. we also had to ask the manager if you could drop the price, but he didn't split your commissions. Right. You know, selling mattresses was a very, very cutthroat kind of a. Yeah. And we all, you know, we know as a consumer, it's not any different than right. really as a salesperson. You got to know what's going down. Right. You know, right. right. Um, not something I enjoyed. Yeah. You know, well, but that's what that's you know, there's a darker side for all of it. Um, you know, that's what made personally for me Xerox so much easier than an insurance policy, which was people going, Oh, you with Xerox? Oh, you will talk to come on in. Right. I, like, I never heard anybody say that right. to me, you know, at New York Life, and, and that's what made it a, a challenging and, and a you know, wonderful career for many people. But you have to sell that product, nobody's inviting you in the front door, right? <laughs> yeah, so. You have this. This is the part that you know that, that always amazes. 
you can be talking about a piece of meat you're putting on the grill. You can be talking about a movie you just saw, but when you're done, everybody wants that piece of meat. And everybody wants to see that movie. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. Is it planned? Do you know what you're doing? You just. No. Like, no. 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 When you get that from me, it's real. Yeah. Um, I don't have that kind of talent that I can fake that. So I, I, uh, where, where I've had success, um, it's because I really believe what I'm doing. Um, and that's not hard to believe in, in the insurance business. Right. Right. Um, no, I, 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 and I think you have to kind of believe I, I have to believe it. I can't fake it. Right. Um, it's hard enough as it is to, you know, with everything going for you to be known as a salesman to all your friends and family, and they know what, you know, when you're coming, what's going. <laughs> um, uh, if, if you're real, you can live with it. If you're real, it's not such a bad way to spend the day. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could do that if I had to fake it. Yeah. Uh, it just would be horrible. But you know, I've never, I don't think we've ever talked about this. I, I always, one of the most unusual positions I took professionally in my career was that, and just later in my career, but was to start questioning the actual uh, idea of sales contests. Because, you know, of course, that's going to drive sales. I got it. But, but you know what? We don't want you to sell anybody who doesn't really need this product. But oh, by the way, there's two days left. You're this much shorter that cruise or that fifteen thousand dollars bonus, but make sure they really need this product because we wouldn't want you. And so what it does is it makes you say, you know what, I'm going to sell the next son of a bee that gets near me because I got to get that quarterly bonus in here. I think it's a mistake. It gets a point where people really don't want to see you coming, right? Um, and if you're that kind of a salesman, but you see how a contest, in a sense can create that type yeah, of Yeah, I do. I do. But, you know, if, uh, you, there needs, for me, mm-hmm. um, I need to know that there's a real need for what I'm selling. Otherwise, uh, you know, I, I have the reputation I don't want. Right. Which is uh, a necessary evil. Yeah. You know, and a lot of salespeople are necessary evils. They think of themselves that way. Right. I, I don't want, I, 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 I realized that I had the potential to be a necessary evil. Yeah. I don't want to, I want to be a friend. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we were going over that, that list and that list, we could have gotten longer in terms of careers, but remember the tail end of your career was selling um, high end dog food. I really enjoyed that. I know you did for how long did you do that for? Almost 10 years. Okay. And I mean, you were, and that was a, a position of real integrity. You were really able to represent the truth. Yeah. I don't think that meant a lot to you. I, fe- I felt good about that yeah, job. But go back when you're 20 to 30. And that's when sometimes you're just selling things that you need. I to was sell. desperate. Right. At 20 to 30, I needed to pay bills. And that's what I mean. That's the challenge of, yeah, we all. Oh, absolutely. Right. And, 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 and along with that, I, I was too young to know better. Mm-hmm. So there were times where, you know, I'd sold stuff to pay bills. Right. I would have sold it to you whether you needed it or not. I needed the money. Right. Right. And that's, it's, and that's been not good. No. And, and that's, so, you know, I'm always trying to figure out as we, you know, because, because we so badly need great salespeople um, and salespeople that can help us over our fear of change and really <laughs> represent great ideas. But we have to take out mechanisms that maybe push people to the darker side and, 
I don't want to keep harping on this contest idea, but some of these bumps and incentives make people just say, I got to sell whatever moves. I don't, you know, I got to leave integrity in the box for a minute or two. Well, I do agree that it, 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 that management needs to make a way. Yeah. Um, um, because people need to make a living. Right. You know, and if you don't make it easy, if you know, people need to make a living. Um, I needed to do whatever I needed to do to sell my product. Yeah. Um, ideally, uh, I, I, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, an ideal customer, prospective customer that had a real need and I could do a job. But you know, there were times, like you say, where uh, I just needed somebody that was willing to spend the money. Right. And you know what? It's interesting. The car industry gets beaten up, but I love that. This is, they've been doing it for years, but it needs to still be fixed a little bit. It's, I like the concept of how about we know, how about we pay you a salary and we're going to pay you a commission. Your, I like commission, that. your commission will be based on the customer evaluations we get. So sell it and have our customer customers say that was the great ex- experience. I, ever I think had. that's a good idea. And that's where your commission's coming. And from. I think salespeople would go for that. If right. you make it a livable salary. Right. Right. And now we've got, see, you've got that, you can be competitive all you want, but it's all in the name of the customer right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think then they, they spend a little more time trying to strive for professionalism. Yeah. Uh, because you don't have to worry about the dollar. If you, if you if you know how to do your job and you do your job and you're professional and you strive to do a better job every day, the dollar's coming. Exactly. But exactly. the way that it's set up now, that's not the case. You can do everything right and you could end up in the gutter. Yeah. And that's rough. What are two lessons that you learned that you thought really helped you as a salesperson? Uh, if you, you know, if you whispered some guys here and say, listen, you remember nothing else. Just remember this one. I learned a lot of great things from, from a lot of different people. Yeah. Some of them seemed insignificant, but were so profound. Yeah. Uh, for example, yeah. when I was selling cars, when I, when I started selling cars, the concept of... If you want the customer to follow you out the door to the lot to look at the car, you have to go out the door so the customer can follow you. So when you say to somebody, follow me, if you don't move, he can't follow you. If you don't actually have enough faith in yourself and your own ability that the guy is actually going to follow you when you say, follow me, then you're both going to be standing at the door until you drop dead. You have to move. You have to go. If you want the customer to go with you, you got to move. Um, that was a, a that was a, a something that I never gave any thought to. And even now, when I think about it, it's, it's not very profound to think about, but it was profound to watch it happen. It was profound to watch because I trained salespeople. The guy that uh, that that I that hired me that, that to work in the car dealership hired me to train his salespeople. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember the new people coming into, you know, that I was training. And we were talking about this issue or we'd be watching some other salespeople. And it was amazing that, that the salespeople that didn't open that door and move out onto that lot, but instead waited for the customer to go first, nobody moved. Everybody sat there. There was no progress made. There was no movement. There was no, there was no leader follow kind of a deal. But when you, when you say follow me, and you have enough faith in yourself to turn around and go, yeah. 
you get followed like every time yeah. they follow you. Yeah. And they don't just follow you footsteps. They're following your lead. Yeah. They're starting to basically say, I'm putting my faith. In Absolutely. <laughs> but you have to, you got to lay it out there. Right. I mean, anyway, that was uh, something that went in effect. Had, had a, uh, a lasting, uh, had a lasting memory with me. Just listening to you even now in this conversation, observing you, one thing that is vital to you is, and we, you know, we, we don't have to spend 10 years in your 20 to get to 30, just learn it now, is it's all about the customer. Got to make it about the, you know, it's the, you know, what we were talking about, trying not to focus on the commission as much as doing the job for the customer. Everything is really about the customer. You do that and profit will always follow. Well, you, you know, he got to, he has to buy it. Yeah. You can't sell it. He has to buy it. Okay. If I could sell it, I don't need the customer. I'll just sell it. Mm -hmm. The customer has to buy it. I know that there's a guy that sells it to somebody that buys it, but if you don't, if you don't get the guy to buy it, you can't sell it. Yeah. If he's willing to buy it, believe somebody's going to sell it to him. In other words, so, so you, I, I, I always had the, you know, what I tried to do was whatever I had to do for that guy to want to buy my product. Right. When I uh, sold computers at uh, the government, yeah, I took an account that was, uh, I took it from someone else who was doing $40,000 a month, or excuse me, $40,000 a year in, in that account. Mm -hmm. And my first year I did 400,000. And then, and then I became the only salesman at Frederick Computer who I had my own dedicated support staff. Um, not, not, uh, well, I, you're going to do 400,000, whatever they had to support to support the numbers. And, and I did that. But how did you do it? I'll, when, I, I'll tell you how I did it. Yeah. Uh, I, I went into, uh, into the, into the procurement department and I saw that the, the guy that did was running most of the, procurement with its vendors was the was a low life easy easy a real low life scuzzball okay. nobody wanted to do to work with nobody could stand him and most of the salespeople where i worked were women most of the computer salespeople that i ran across were women and they especially didn't want to work with this guy he was just a scuzzball mm -hmm. well he became my best friend he became my best friend. He, he was over at our house quite often. I took him to lunch every time I could get him to go to lunch with me. I did whatever I could do to make that guy happy. And I became his best friend. I sold him my truck. <laughs> he wanted my Toyota truck sold. <laughs> whatever I had to do. And I, and I made a lot of money from that guy. Uh, he was just a low life right. that nobody wanted to work with. Right. I worked with him. <laughs> but what I what I did though was I, I did whatever I had to do to make that guy happy. That's the big message here, in case you're missing it. Whatever you gotta do to make the customer happy. Well, you know, I mean, I didn't care whether I, I didn't have to like him. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's what it was about. It was about, you know, there was a, somebody in charge of making that buying decision. Yeah. And he was making that buying decision based on who he wanted to work with. Right. It's a little bit tougher these days. Right. You can't you can't be so blatantly prejudiced for one vendor or another. Right. right. You know, 
He even, I even, he would even tell me my competitor's prices. Now, I will say that along with the sales stuff, right? I also happen to have an aptitude for uh, databases. That's true. And I wrote and developed my own database. I took Falcon Microsystems, which had the GSA contract during the time I was at Frederick Computer. We never had a GSA contract. And because of my database, and I could massage my numbers by a penny, and I had a very cooperative procurement agent, um, I outsold the GSA people that held the contracts. I'd sold more than they did, and I didn't even have the contracts. Um, and I, I actually got letters from attorneys yeah. accusing me of stealing their software, which was never bothered me because it's so blatantly ridiculous. Right. I developed the software myself. I sold some of that software. At any rate, that was a help, though, in knowing, knowing how to work those numbers. Right, right. Um, and you I did that at the dog food store, too. Didn't you create like... Oh, absolutely. I, I did. System. I did. Yeah. I did the same thing. Yeah. Um, and it worked very well for me. Yeah. Um, I was able to manage my sales and manage my business yeah. by myself. Yeah. What it helped with the most was buying more than selling. You know, selling, you have a suggested retail price. You're working with a retail product. It's not like selling computers to the government. Right. But buying is tough, especially your one-man operation. There's only so many hours in the day. Right. Um, and you've got hard deadlines. And, um, and I was able to go through a thousand items, a thousand line items of product, um, uh, very in, 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 in absolute adequate detail to make good decisions about buying. Um, a thousand items I could go through in an hour and a half. Wow. I could go through all the items, make my decisions, put in my order, done. Um, now you, you can't, you can't do that with a chalkboard or a yellow pad. Right. You can try and a lot of them do and they may not, it doesn't work. Right. Uh, and most of the people that saw my operation, including my own suppliers, told me that I should close the store and sell the database. Yeah. Which I didn't do. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was an advantage to me though. When I, once I, uh, once computers came around and I realized I had to, I could use that to really um, be competitive with pricing more yeah. competitive than my competition. Yeah. You know, they couldn't do what I could do. Right. Um, but anyway, it was, it was, uh, I developed a relationship with the procurement office that was, uh, paramount and I made it better than anybody else's relationship with the procurement office right. to the point where other vendors complained about me. Well, don't complain to me. You've got a complaint, take it to the government. It's not my problem. Right. Uh, and they did complain about me, you know, that I was getting, you know, benefit, preferential treatment or whatever. I don't know. I don't care. Right. Okay. Just give me the order. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I, I took care of my, my procurement people. I knew how the process worked. I also knew very, very intimately what my competitors numbers were. Mm -hmm. 
I knew what, what I was up against. I knew exactly how much I had to sell my product for. Yeah. And the other thing I found, and I don't know if this is really matters for your sales thing, is I found because my numbers got to be the point where I was really doing a lot to support my company, how that business worked. And it was really more about the cost of money than anything else. You know, they were bidding on multi-million dollar contracts and it all. A lot of it got came down to what will it cost to get the money to get the contract and how much we would get from getting the contract. And it really wasn't about the products anymore. It was about moving money around and who had what at the end. That guy, that guy needed to know where to get his, his shirts laundered. I'm sure you would have given the right answer. Oh, no question about it. No question. Whatever he wanted, I got him. <laughs> That's a trusted business advisor. Well, I mean, that was my job. Yeah. You know, um, my job was whatever I needed to do to get the sale. And what I needed to do with at, at that point in time, yeah. it's not the same anymore. Right. But at that point in time, I needed to be his best friend. Right. Now, the rules are different. Right. And whatever the rules are, I would figure out what the rules are. You, you'd be best at with those rules. Yeah. Um, you know, but back then it was different. Yeah. Back right. then, uh, we both were, we both, you know, uh, he, he would tell me when the tree trimmers were coming to NIH and I would go home with as many cords of lumber as I wanted, all cut and stacked. <laughs> That's 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 a relationship, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Anyway, mm-hmm. listen, we I, we talked forever. We're done. We're going to say goodbye right now. Okay. Uh, thank you. You're very so, welcome. Uh, I don't really think I was very helpful here, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> honestly. Come on. Did we talk about this earlier? We did. We did. I know. But grateful, yeah. grateful. Okay. We both we're brothers. We both struggle with the same thing. Hard to. Take I know you can thing. edit all this stuff. So <laughs> you did great. Oh. Thanks, brother. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Outcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more information on this show and Rob at Jollis.com.